podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello, welcome to the Five Pound Podcast. Pod two seventy seven, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing board. You need. Go to Vector.co.uk. It's Vector with a K. And JCIS, the Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit JC-IS.com. I will. Oh, that was a beautiful Best one. Best one. The JC is here to rate it as well. Yeah, nine out of ten. Oh, decent. That was an I will from Mister Tom Maslona. How are you? I'm good. JC, I actually will go and visit him. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, it was said with conviction. You'd be, you'd, be, you'd be amazed how many people say that. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be amazed how many people... John tells us... No, he sits, he'll be at home tonight just yeah. looking at the, the analytics. Traffic. Looking yeah. at the yeah. F5, F5, F5. Um, Tom, of course, is from the FYP Pod Extra. Free the, Free the pod. pod. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's joining us tonight. Of course, Kevin Day's here. Hello. How are you? Uh, less angry than I was at about ten past five on... Good. We are going to so, relive it. Well, I don't know whether we didn't relive the whole thing, but we're going to relive some of it. And uh, John Curran. Hello. How are you? Fine. Good Always to be back. Always good to see you sitting across that table, it's, it's staring good. into my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Jim. Um, guys, since the last pod, there's been two games, uh, Grimsby and Watford. Uh, do we feel like talking about Grimsby or do we want to go straight, straight into <laughs> Watford? It was like a long time ago. Strange. It was almost... I, you hear people say, oh, that sending off is kind of sport the game in a way, which I used to think was rubbish, but it kind of did. Yeah. I thought it was very funny that Grimsby fans clearly had no idea that VAR was involved. <laughs> and that somehow they were booing Andros all the way through for yeah. somehow... For getting studied halfway <laughs> 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 Yeah. But it, it was... It took a long time to score, didn't it? it did, what, did, and and centre-backs you know centre gave it a go, though. Centre-backs were having our sort of mm. most yeah. attacks on yeah. goal. thing is, JC, actually, if we can sort of draw parallels between the two games, there were similarities between that Grimsby game and that for game and we created chances we just don't score it's the same thing that we talk about on this pod week after week we just can't put the ball in the net despite having opportunities this uh, i saw some stat that we had about 106 chances in the last six games yeah. and have scored three 68 in that three. is i mean that and, is ridiculous and one of yeah. which was an own goal yeah you know so it, it, i guess it just puts in so something's not right there i, I thought against <laughs> cardiff um, Grimsby, the, all these home games where um, there's great movement. We get into not even the final third, but the final quarter of the pitch, and it ju- it fizzles out. I don't know what happens, but just all energy oh. goes. And we're seeing it also before we talk about it later. But even with individual players, Wilf doing his stuff but mm. not going anywhere. And 
Yeah. I, I wasn't too fussed about the Cardiff game, to be honest, because we'd beaten Man City. But also the Cardiff game is one of those afterwards you go, well, what the fuck do you have to do? It's just like, mm. it simply wasn't for the lack of trying. It's like the Burnley game, except we did get two goals. The Grimsby game, I was annoyed because I thought, well, we get eight, that'd be brilliant. Um, but the Watford game, just, just so dispiriting. That, I mean, the first 20 minutes of the second half is probably as well as we played at Sellhurst for a long time. Mm. And we just, I mean, some of the magic we work with, with PVA and Wilf down that left-hand side to create situations. And either Wilf, because he has no confidence that anyone's going to be in the box, takes it with the wrong foot or takes an extra touch or it eventually goes across and no one's in the box. And it's, you know, is not the answer, is he? But the answer is to try and get through the season, stay up and then, but it was so, it's, because you can't, we'll talk about the defence later on and yeah. talk about the goalkeeper, but it, at least it's not for the want of trying up front. It's just there's something clearly, as as John says, you can't quite put your finger on what it but is. But I feel like on this pod, Tom, for the last, how long have we been, right now, five years, we've been talking about at home against teams that sit deep. Obviously, Grimsley had a man sent off early on, so they're going to sit deeper and there was literally 10 men behind the ball. We cannot break teams down. Why have we not <coughs> learnt in five years a way of doing that? I, I think fundamentally certainly this year I think the biggest problem is we don't have a player who can pass the ball through the eye of a needle mm. and our biggest asset as far as I'm concerned is getting in behind sides with Wilf primarily and Andros and with teams that sit deep we don't have the space in behind them to do that to be fair you know you can say 120 chances with six goals it's not a great ratio at all but I thought that the game against Watford was the first time where we really had sitters I mean, yeah. MacArthur missed a sitter. Yeah. You know, I, I did the probably after the Grimsby game, we had 31 shots, but I think 25 of them were Martin Kelly and Scott Dan from 25 yards yeah. out. You know, I thought, as I say, that was the first time we really created clear-cut opportunities. There were there were signs, as Kev said, early on in the second half, where we actually strang together passes mm. similar to, to the way we did at the back end of last season with um, quite neat interchange of passes. But... I think it's down to the quality in midfield. People talk about the lack of a striker up front. To me, and I'm not, you know, saying anything, anything too profound. I think the biggest impact has been the loss of Loftus Cheek and Goodbye mm, because I agree. they gave I agree. us such thrust from midfield. They gave us extra quality that we haven't replaced. And with the best will in the world, you know, I'm not a MacArthur fan, but he's industrious. But his quality on the ball, when you compare that to mm. Loftus Cheek, yeah. and when you compare that to Goodbye. Kiate as well, you know, he's a stopper, he's got assets, but his feet are terrible. Yeah. Well, have looked terrible and so far. We, you know, and we know Luca's the same. I want to start with Mayer every game. You know, well, because we he's the only one with any real quality in terms but, of passing the ball. But he hasn't t- quite shown us yet. Well, he hasn't, but no, you just said it 168 chances won, nor has anybody else. And, and what was annoying, I'm sorry to interrupt, what was really annoying for me on. Exactly, because for the first time, because you hear fans always go, there's no plan B, no plan C, and you kind of go, I'm not entirely sure what they mean by that. But then you watch that second half and go, oh, that's exactly what they... You know, the, the mark of lunacy is to keep trying something when it keeps failing. And it's not... And it's sim- and bringing Benteke on before Wickham, just, and Benteke clearly wasn't fit, was just playing deeper and deeper. It's just like, and simple things like not... The two corners in the last minute, Hennessy's got to go forward for them. Simple things like that. The court, the free kicks. Luca's got to stop taking free kicks and corners because they're exactly the same free kick and corner. Oh, every there time there was one moment where Luca got yeah. absolutely clattered by the touchline, didn't he, JC, yeah. right in front of the main stand? 
got up, couldn't stand up properly, and still took the free kick and yeah, just like floated. Yeah. Couldn't be the first. Like, I was like, why is he taking that free kick? That, it's always that dink. It's always that float. There's no. It's never whipped him with any pace. It's never anything different. There's never a ball to the near post. It's always and what for a big team. So if you just chip it towards a penalty spot, they're going to deal with it. It's as simple as that. Can Can I just say? I think. Um, not to be facetious, Kevin, but just to finish my point. Um, <laughs> You'd be as facetious as you want. <laughs> I have just been looking. You can do what you want. On, but, um, on your first one, you can be as facetious as you want. What I was going to say is, <laughs> I think MacArthur, I think Luca definitely, and Kiate, their first instinct is to be defensive. And I think the difference between the midfield now and midfield last season is they are reluctant to play 10 yards further forward. Mm. And they're more likely to hurt opponents if they played 10, 15 yards further forward. But, there's an air of negativity about them. There's an air of safety. It's probably better than negativity yeah. about their passing. Um, James MacArthur's first look is sideways or back. And, you know, they don't... I get the feeling when I watch them play that they don't want to be the ones that could give the ball away in the opposition break and we, we can concede a goal. I think to them, and this might be indicative of Hodgson's style, but it is safety first, keep our shape and don't concede and then hopefully we can nick one. Well, that was going to be a question though. Do, do, which, which is it, do you think? Which is the, the, the balance? Is it more the players not wanting to do that or is it the way they're sent out to It must to be the way that, JC, mm. it must be the way they're sent out because Roy has been a manager for 40 years. He, this system worked at a team like Fulham. It worked at West Brom. It didn't work at bigger clubs that expect more attacking play like mm. Liverpool and like England. He's got a system and he's stuck with it and it has brought him success and it has at Palace. But when things aren't quite going right, then we see games like we have done over Christmas. I, I, you know, sorry to hog it, but I was going to say that you say that, and yet you know, the football we played at the back end last season was outstanding. Mm. It was as good football as I've seen since I've been going to Palace, and that's been since '81. Um, I, I think Roy's been unfairly derided. Personally, I think he's been let down by recruitment badly badly you know it's not just in the last window either and quite frankly I don't think he's got the players I think he is stubborn and I think he makes points and he doesn't change things because he doesn't believe in the substitutes on the pit, on, on the bench so he's not inclined to put them on yeah. but I, I don't think you know as I said at the start I don't think we've got players of the calibre that we had last season in midfield roles and therefore we don't play with the same intricacy with the same quality of passing that we did last year but he talked about that after the Watford game didn't he saying that he wasn't going to go cap in hand to Doogie and Steve Parrish he's, he's assuming that they were going to give him the players they want which is kind of to me indicates a complete lack of communication yeah. between the manager and and the, the sporting director so because he should be going to the, the, the job of surely the sporting director in this country I know it's different on the continent but here it tends to be the manager will identify the targets and Doogie yeah. gets them not Doogie identifies the targets and says to Roy here here are the players but it's interesting you talk about the midfield with West Ham you Kiati in his first season at West Ham, scored a lot of goals. A lot of bangers quite, quite, from distance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. quite a few from set pieces. But he's got a lot of goals and he's just, much as I think he's been a good buy, he doesn't look like he's going to score no. any goals for us at the moment. I and don't actually remember him taking a shot from <laughs> distance. Well, even, I, I, I still don't think Roy is settled on his, I think he is, but I think he's settled on Kabay and Loftus-Cheek and he hasn't got them. I don't yeah. think he knows with the players he's got who, who, the, who he wants to set out. I think there was a, there was a time when we were at Stoke that, he, and I remember you saying this on the pod extra, he actually almost challenged Steve Parrish in that post-match conference and said, you know, this is the time to buy. I want to do our business early. I want to be able to bed players in before pre-season. And, I th- you know, I've no, I've no basis for this other than my own opinion, but I, I think he feels let down. Mm. You know, and I think he's justified in feeling let down by the summer. And 
the January before, because the business we did that last January was was horrendous. Mm. I mean, I, I after the Watford game, I kind of almost completely rethought my whole feeling about what the future is about with Palace. Yeah, and um, I think it was a few months ago I was speaking with um, Laurie Dahl, who mentioned that this season, this accepted, is going to be a Rizzler paper division you know that, yeah. that's how and i i couldn't really agree with him i thought the players that we have we should be doing much better we should be mid-table we should be comfortable except and maybe he's just right maybe the whole policy is all about not just surviving this season see about next season next season is about surviving the season the survive and the money has become so massive that there is no other opportunity but to take that strategy. I'm making this up. I've got no inside knowledge. However, it goes back to the recruitment point. You might then say, well, let's recruit as big as we have to um, by any means necessary to stay up. Or, is another way of doing it, every season you go, which three teams are worse than us? Yeah. One of those potentially might have a good run, but there might be a team who's better than us who slips. So do we need to invest in a new striker? Do we need a new goalkeeper? Do we... And actually... Which, which, if that were the case, that's quite sad because then us as fans, what are we getting? Premier League football. We're getting Premier League, but I don't go to football to watch Aguero. Well, I go to football to watch Palace. I, I, a football fan, I've said this before, doesn't go to football for entertainment. But well, you, right, it's it's they always say it's an entertainment industry, but it's not for the most. It is for if you support Man City or lately Man United, Liverpool, whatever. But what I find interesting. Um, this John's point, and I think the club there is an element of let's stay up. I think I but definitely. The, but the problem definitely. is, as you know, my favourite tweet of last year was that you know if you keep swirling around the plug hole, eventually you go down the you go down the sink. You, you can't you can't decide whether or not you stay. You could get like you know if next season three clubs come up with as good as Wolves, you can't do that thing that we've been able to do for the last five years and go like even this season you go well, I think we'll slip, we'll be above Huddersfield. I think we'll be above Fulham, but they're the only two you're guaranteed because yeah. Cardiff do. Well, and then but, they change managers. But somebody I was talking to somebody who used to work for the club after the game on Saturday through. I was well. I wasn't. It wasn't a conversation. It was even trying to calm me down. But his point was, and it's a really good point. You go and watch Palace play, and it's like it's really difficult to say, "Oh well, unlucky, they had a lot of chances." We've got the eighth highest wage bill in the Premier League, yeah, and therefore we've probably got the twentieth highest wage bill in Europe. It, it, Give or take, there won't yeah. be many clubs outside the big clubs in you know in Spain, and Italy that have got a higher wage bill than us. So if you say we've got the twentieth highest wage bill in Europe, it's much more difficult to be tolerant. When we're missing chance after chance and failing to beat teams like Watford and Cardiff at home, yeah, because and that's part of the problem with recruitment, as Andy's pointed out very eloquently, the wage bill is a millstone around our neck for the moment, which is one of the reasons they were so glad to see the back of Kabai was to get a massive wage off the. But it's still a massive millstone off our neck, and it's difficult to get players in because we can't pay them the sort of wages that Fulham can or Cardiff can. So that's always a problem, and that's one of the things that I think Steve Parrish needs to articulate more than he does and, it, and I mean I don't know whether Roy Hodgson knows that but as Tom says clearly there's a disconnect between well, Roy Tom's right because yeah. Roy keeps saying and he said the last few weeks in the press conference there is no pot of gold and he's, he's literally said that sentence four or five times in the last few weeks I keep hearing it so clearly he must be aware of it and is it almost hinting to people that that's the case so uh, and there's been rumours in the press that Palace are only going to go for loan signings in, in January, which which would tailor up with what we're talking about mm. now. So it, it is a frustrating situation for a team, as John says, with the quality we do have now, even without Loftus-Cheek and Kabai, it should be doing better. Yeah, talk, but, talking about going down the sink and ending up down the plug hole, I, you know, I, 
I worry that we'll look back and last at last summer and think that was the time when we could have pushed on. Yeah. Because if I was a a, a decent Premier League player or a, a good Championship player or a player from abroad looking at Palace at the end of last season, the form they were showing, the style of football they were playing, that was the time to kick on and sign two or three players and push. You know. And, you cannot deny that that was Roy Hodgson's hope and belief. You know, you get the feeling this is a man with integrity and he stood on the pitch in front of how many people were still in the ground at the end of the last game, 10,000 people, and said, I see no reason why we can't push on top yeah, eight, yeah, if yeah. not higher. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, yeah. so that was his ambition. Uh, my worry is, you know, Will, for whatever reason, and we might talk about this later, has not been at his best over the course of this season. I'd be stunned if he's at Palace next year. I, I really would. And I think, and it's similar to when we sold Ian Wright, you know, it sends a message out. And once Wilf goes, will there be players wanting to join Palace? What? You know, and I don't think there will. And I think that'll be the message to players to say that we've almost given up a little bit. We're a side on the slide. And that'll be the season that we go. I think that's one of the reasons that Hodgson was so delighted that Zaha stayed. Mm. Because that was a good way of attracting yeah. top-class midfield players. Like, who wouldn't want to play in a team that's got Wilf in it? But and now, we, and now if, if, you, if our forward options are Townsend and Menteke, it's going to be more difficult to get people to come in, isn't it? Yeah, but way? I mean, since Wilf stayed last season, we got Rakip, Jack, oh, well, Soloff. I mean, no, I mean, you know, so I mean, I, I don't know if I buy that about Wilf will be attracting top players. We, we, well, no, but that's because we, we didn't go after them. But, but the thing is, we couldn't because yeah. of the, the we we shot ourselves in the foot with Pardew's expansive football recruitment policy. You know, the, yeah. and that 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 has seems to that's disabled us with financial fair play with wages, and that's one of the problems. And I'm just wondering if the American owners and people looking at this, looking at the balance sheet, and going, we survive, we do it. We, yeah. we hedge our bets. We survive. We really don't think we need a striker. We don't get one, you know. And so the fans become completely secondary in yeah. the, the the experience there. Although we we seem to feel we want the rationality, we should be having a striker. Go, you know. However, we see it, the balance sheet is where rationality. Right, well, yeah. Yeah. The Americans, there's a, no sign of the Americans for the first season. The Americans have had quite a high profile for two seasons. You see them at the games. You're told that they're there. They do interviews. They're nowhere to be seen. And also, I think it's really interesting, and, and this talks about the diversity of opinion. There are some Palace fans today going, look, Doogie Freeman, brilliant. We're bringing a goalkeeper in. Just in the week, we need a goalkeeper. Total luck. <laughs> if, 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 both goal, if both keepers were fit, and we, the only person we signed was another goalkeeper, we'd all be saying, what the yeah. F is going on with our recruitment policy? Just by coincidence, we're bringing this kid in in a week where, and already people are saying we'll put him straight in the team. You can't put him straight no, in the team. We you got, can't. But we've got a player on loan to go on the bench who's a 20-year-old Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. kid, and that, in a way, that looks like good business. But that's good business when you're fourth, fifth in the table and you're bringing in three or four players to play in midfield and up front. And you go, oh, also, we've got this wonder boy Brazilian kid who, we're gonna, who won't be in the first team for two years, but keep an eye on him because he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Don't, yeah. But we don't do that. We either bring... Either our players go straight in a team, or we never see them. But at again, all. it goes back to Andy's point yeah. about FFP with the wages being high, which is why you've seen big earners like Jordan Much and people like that leave this window. We, we clearly, clearly trying to get out people yeah. that are on big wages to how potentially free up space. Big, I mean, that, how did that? How was that allowed to happen? That Jordan Much was a big earner. Uh, my worry is, um, you know, aside from the money, that we had an opportunity, and I think history repeats itself. It's been said. We finished third in 1991, and I remember Ian Wright making the, making the point that we finished third and we signed Lee Sinnott and Chris Coleman yeah. when Chris Coleman wasn't the player he is. Yeah. He was untried at Swansea. And Leeds, who finished fourth, signed Tony Dorigo, yeah. Rod Wallace and Eric Cantona. You know, and 
just to reiterate, we had an opportunity. And I think, do you end up letting players down? Do you end up sending a message to Wilf Zaha? Thank you for your commitment. Here's money. Yes, a lot of money. But what does Wilf want at the end of the day? Because he's going to get a similar amount of money wherever he goes. Does he want to play in Europe? Does he want to win things? I'm sure he probably does. Okay, I think that that's... I, looking at the Watford game, after that game, I... I, I questioned and I thought about has actually Wilf grown out of the club Mm. so the type of football he's playing and what he's trying to do and the desperate pushing him as far it's almost like the kid in the playground who can just take on everyone and it's almost like because he doesn't have those players around him those top world-class players are playing with other really great players so Zaha Kabai and Loftus-Cheek it was because there was Loftus Cheek and Kabai that you had Wilf doing what he did. He has got really no one around him. What is he kind of supposed to do? And it's almost like every game you feel that he's just become he's becoming more and more kind of normal. And if he really wants to push on, it's about actually him being a great football player. Well, but he'll, well, only, classic, he'll only do that with other great football players well, around him. He looks him. more frustrated as each game goes by, but the classic comparison is Matt Letizio. And people still now talk about Matt Letizia's reputation being dented because he never played for anybody else but Southampton. And you don't know whether it's because he thought he wanted to reward the club that brought him through or whether he, he was slightly scared to move to a bigger club. But he's one of the greatest footballers of the 90s without any doubt. And people don't know how good he was. Mm. And that potentially could happen to Wilf when if he doesn't move to... Because in a way, and I hate saying this as a Palace fan, he's 26 already he's not a kid anymore it, yeah. he's, he's reaching a stage in his career where if he wants to flourish it's now really if he wants to win something yeah. and that's how people get judged as players because I don't think the money's that important to him if he wants to win something and go down as a you know, he'll always be a Palace legend and for some people that's enough like Letizia is a Southampton legend and for some people that's enough but there aren't that many people like me who just go oh what a genius he was and you want you want the rest of the world to go to see Zahar and see how good he is when um just to build your point, John, when I did the book with Vince Lair, he said that when he was in the Palace side of the mid-80s, whenever he got the ball, he felt he had to do something extra. He felt he always had to beat one more player because if it wasn't him that did it, then there was no one else. Wow. And he said that actually what ended up happening was he'd lose the ball, people would get frustrated with him, his frustration would rise. And he said, I became suddenly, I became inconsistent. And Vince's frustration was that a lot of people remember that inconsistency and think that was Vince Allaire. And he says, well, actually, 78, 79, and then 79, 80, I was one of the best wingers in the country. And I actually think I should have played for England yeah. because I was incredibly yeah, yeah. consistent. And Terry Venables picked me in every every game the first season in the first division. Um, but that would have played into the narrative at the time of, well, that's how black players are. So that's there's a kind of vicious circle at the time because a lot of, that's, that, that inconsistency would have been put down to his skin colour or his lightweight rather than the frustration at playing yeah. in a team exactly. that wasn't as and you know clearly you, you know my obsession with Jerry Murphy for me is that nobody else shares that for various reasons but what a brilliant player he was and it'd be horrible mm. that Will because I mean, Vince Allaire, people know about Vince Allaire, you know, but they don't know the Vince Allaire we knew the Vince yeah. Allaire we saw but that's the same with Will and that could people be, don't know that, the Will we know but that's what, that's what I'm generally upset by the, the notion that in 10 years time Will's just a quiz question I think I think I think the Wilf debate is really essential to the bigger picture. And I think that we can say that by having a great player, an amazing player like Wilf in the club, has kept us up. But whether or not we will be able to actually push on with Wilf is another 
question yeah. because of the wage, because he needs good players around him to be to be excellent. Yeah. And I don't think Palace can afford that. So one hypothesis means for us to push on, we need to sell Wilf. Or we'd uh, make a lot of money out of him. We'd make a lot of money. No, no, no. But no, yeah. I'm not, it's not, yeah. Yes, we would do. But for us to push on, we the would. We need, I don't. You, I don't trust the, I, the club to make to use that money. Sensibly. I mean, Tottenham sold seven. Gareth Bale for a lot of money, brought in a lot of players. Only Christian Eriksen really from that yeah. kicked on, and that took them a long time to get yeah. to where they are now as serious title contenders. I, and some yeah. would argue they're still not even that. I I doubt the quality of our recruitment, and I actually think sell Wilf we go down. Right. But personally, because because as I said earlier, I think the um, the effect that would have on the rest of the Palace players, the effect it would have on people potentially coming in, and quite frankly, although he hasn't, as I said, been firing on all cylinders this season, I think he's our best player. Well, he is, but how do you persuade? The thing is, come the summer, and I'd, I'd be amazed if Roy Hodgson is our manager next season. And I, I know I said that earlier this season about this season, but I'd be amazed if he's our manager next season for various reasons. How do you persuade Wolf to stay? Unless you're actually turning around and saying, "Look, we're going to we're going to invest fifty million. We're going to get we're going to lure Cunaguero down from Man City. We're going to get these players." How, otherwise, how do you? That's an extreme example. Okay, but yeah. otherwise, how do you? you well, you have to at some point. You're going to have to back that up. Yeah. I think because Andy's yeah. not here. I think on behalf, to be fair to Andy, with all his facts and figures and research <laughs> and his, yeah, his information. <laughs> The, the more you you watch Wolf play, the more it kind of plays into Andy's hands. You go, yeah, because well, I'm obsessed with the fact that he shouldn't play with his back to goals and number nine. Yeah. He's not actually that much in terms of assists and goals. He hasn't been that effective. Fourteen games. Well, but do you not think that? No, without, I thought, without, without, I thought without, that was his best game. Yeah, the I second half. I don't think you should play anywhere yeah. else. But but the thing is, because Andy does deal in facts and all that stuff, and you look at the, at the plain the plain facts are, he's been no more effective in the position where I think he should play, which is basically a left winger than he has been anywhere else on the pitch, whether as a second striker or as a number but nine. You, or whatever. But, 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 yeah. but uh, he is, we know that, but... It does feel a bit recently in the last few games. games, it does feel a bit like, oh, he's are we wasting Wilf? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that, he's our best player yeah. possibly ever, and it just feels like, oh, it's, we're it's, just not seeing the best of him. Are, are, are we wasting his time? It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because Bielsa's come out today at Leeds with his dossiers and yeah. showing how much he's scattered every team and he knows all the four systems Derby could have played. Yeah. Uh, he's watched 55 Derby games and you know, if you if you manage against Palace, I'm sure Klopp will be saying stop Wilf and yeah. pretty yeah. much the job is done. But that's why Carl Walker was dropped for the next four Man City games because he couldn't get to grips with Wilf. And we scored well. And we scored well. Yeah, well, yeah, very good point. But I mean, yeah. to be fair, the other players are playing. Townsend's playing well with that. Yeah, Wan Bissaka is playing really well, but yeah. it's still there's still that frustration that he gets to the edge of the 18 yard box, mm. and even though he's an ex winger his instinct is always to stop and look for Andros instead of piling on and getting across him. But So our players are playing well, but it's, it's just not... And I don't think we... I don't think we look like a relegation team because we keep picking up these results away from home, but we don't. It's just no, and at the end of the season, we'll sit here and we'll be like, well, we've stayed up, we've done okay. Yeah, no, but, but, again, but we've said that for the last five exactly. seasons. Exactly. I think that's we're the same conversation think, about moving forward. I, exactly. Exactly. And I, don't, I think about. we should say next season, we've stayed up, well done. I mean, I almost I'm becoming that kind of bland about it yeah. because we've been talking about developing and moving on for last, and it just doesn't no. it doesn't happen. I think it's easier we're finding to beat teams away from home, like on the same. Wolves are finding it very hard beating 
teams at home Correct, because yeah. they play a style where you can play on yeah, the counter yeah. and they can't break teams down. So there is a trend there. I think teams are finding this. Watford are probably one of the teams that could do it in both home and away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if I was Wilf, I'd be saying, look, I want to stay here. Get me a give me a Loftus cheek, maybe yeah, two yeah. Loftus cheeks, just to make it <laughs> work. No, 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 no. Actually, think about it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're thinking about it, that's the kind of that's probably the baseline quality I need around but, but, me. Because otherwise, okay. we're, we're five seasons in, six seasons in, and people are still not just the Man City result. People are calling miraculous. I'll point at home to Arsenal. People are going, "What a brilliant result!" Yeah. It's like yeah. people are talking about winning at Wolves. What a brilliant result! They should be run of the mill results yeah, yeah. for us. And people are still talking about us as though we've been promoted for the first mm. time and that we're automatically going to be in the, the, the most we can hope for is to be top of the bottom eight. And it shouldn't be that way after, of course, the first couple of seasons. It's, it's a miracle if Pulis gets us a result like that, but not yeah, now. It's different now, yeah. Of course it's different now. But how has that been allowed to happen is the frustrating thing. Because that's, I mean, that's the frustrating thing. It's just, you just turn up. For, how many times have we said on this pod in the last 10 years, you're in the pub and you go, oh, Christ, we've got to go to the game now. <laughs> Look, because you don't go to Sellers Park with any, any joy. I'll tell you something. You, sort of know, you feel like you know what's going to happen. Yeah, even if we win 1-0, 2-0, you just kind of know it's not going to be that exciting. Oh. I'll tell you something that's not been picked up on, or I haven't heard it being picked up on. Parrish's interview with you, Jim, where he talked about Racket being signed to make up numbers. In training. Oh, really? In, tra- in training. Really? And really? I've got to tell you, for a club that's struggling for money... You know, that admission to say that we've spent millions of pounds on, on a player in terms of a salary and, and, and a fee to make up numbers in training where you don't have to be that into football to know that you've got an under-23 squad where you can bring someone in just to make up 22 players to have a training game. Which we did to get a new right back. You know, and, and it's, well, it's such a flawed... I thought it was quite... I thought it was dismissive, really. I thought it was insulting to Palace's... When, uh, Jim did the interview with Steve. Yeah, I remember that. I, 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 thought that it, I thought it was insulting to Palace fans' intelligence to claim that actually he didn't know the story behind Racket. We signed him, so he made up the numbers in training. You know, we're crying out for players. And actually, I think that's more of a criticism of your but recruitment. also, thanks for coming on, Steve. It was a great interview. Yeah. I really well, appreciate but also, it. <laughs> but maybe that's his way of saying our under-23s aren't good enough at the moment. But there's another point. He, he was introduced a as a new signing on loan. Oh, yeah. That, you that, know, that, so we, we were, uh, as fans, under the assumption that this is a new signing and then quite quickly had realised that he, he wasn't good enough for the first team. The same, the same window with Jack from Poland, mm. when he did an interview, he said that I was told by Palace I'd been scouted for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I've and got to say, him. my feeling was, John, that it was covering up Dougie's recruitment. Yeah. You know, that was my feeling. Dougie is, to me, one of the strangest appointments that, that we have made. And it, it was from that time when Pardew was involved or had been involved. Mark Bright was obviously brought in. Solarco had been brought in. And it felt a little bit like jobs for the boys. And Parrish has obviously got a soft spot for Dougie, but I'm not sure what he's done in his managerial career um, to justify being a director of football at, uh, well, to play at what is now an established Premier League club. Guaita, Maya, well, Sacco, Maya, potential Sacco, I don't know if was Maya, done before. That Maya, was done before. Maya landed on Kiyate. his own. Some signings, you know, some have been poor. But, but, but Jim, we've spoken bad. on every pod about Maya not having done anything. I know, yet. I, Maya is my way. But it's not, it's not just his, you know, clearly he was, a, everyone knows my views on Doogie, but clearly he was a brilliant player for us. But it doesn't matter how good a player he is, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a director of football. And also, recruiting is totally different to being a director of football. Mm. D- director of football at most clubs is making sure there's a consistent way of playing throughout 
the levels. They make sure that from the under 15s upwards, the club plays a similar sort of game so everyone can move up. It's, recruitment's normally done completely separately because yeah. why? Why would we presume that Dougie Freeman would have any knowledge of African players or Portuguese players? And we quite clearly haven't got a worldwide network. I think you might go on Champions League every now and again. But we quite clearly haven't got a scouting. And, and you look at Brighton's team, you look at Watford's team, and you, and you, you, you have yeah. to look at the programme to go, who are these players? Yeah. And you go, well, it doesn't matter who they are. They're actually, they seem to be beating us. Yeah. But why, why aren't we getting those players? And when we do go for, for Yak and Rakip... They're, no, they're nowhere near as good as players that other teams are getting in the, in the Premier League. And Solos. <laughs> and Solos. Well, Solos. Solos. Who's yeah. gone on loan. Was he gone on loan? Yeah. Scored two in his well, first Reed game. Did he? Reed yeah. as well. I'm and Reed I'm sure, yeah, Reed is arguably a uh, <laughs> Frank de Boer signing. Reed can't... I mean, Reed a quality player. And he's off on loan somewhere as well, isn't he? Or? He's off to... Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo. But Riedewald was one of Ajax's two centre-backs. And like we, like we keep saying, Davidson Sanchez playing in the first team at Tottenham. Riedewald's as good as him, but he can't wait to go because we've simply... Roy just doesn't fancy him. Even though he can play left-back, even though he can play centre-back, even though he can play defensive midfield, even though he had that brilliant game against Man City. So we're, we're clearly losing a decent player there. So it's not or just... Or the potential. Or the potential of a decent player. So it's not just we're signing players like Rakip and Yaku who aren't good enough. Yeah. We're signing players who are good enough and then wasting their potential. There's well, a, lads, no, I don't want to waste the potential of this pod nice. because we've got yeah. to go on to part two, but I would say excellent part one. We didn't talk anything about the games, <laughs> but true. I actually found yeah. that really fascinating chat. So we're going to crack on anyway. In part two, we've got questions from our listeners. So join us in a bit. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Pod 277, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing board. you need to go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with okay. hey. And JCIS, Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Hey, that's the voice of Mr. Andy Street, who's joined us for part two. Just drunkenly turned up out of nowhere, beer in hand. I turned up entirely sober, thanks. But I thought, given that I turned up to the match at half time on Saturday, that I turned up to the, the pod halfway through as well. Good. In keeping with well, my, hopefully my the second half thing. of the pod yeah. won't be as bad as Palace were on Saturday. But no, with that in mind, the second half was great. With that in mind, Kevin, we yes. had a question from Chris Chantry. Hi, Chris. He says, "What is it about half times against Watford that make us fall apart in the it's second very, half?" It's a very good point. Something happened at half time. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Except <laughs> we played quite well for the first twenty. I still I stand by my conspiracy theory that something happened at Watford in that game at the half time. Yeah. And what, about, just, what about this I, time? I, well, something happened halfway through. I, I can't tell you how much I hate Watford. <laughs> I really don't want it to become a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was saying the other day, it's like there's a certain dignity with the Brighton thing, or Falmer Town, as I know. It's when, when the, on the ticket board at Palace, they refer to Brighton as Falmer Town. Do they? Yeah, which is great. <laughs> but, there's, but there's a certain, you know, in the way that Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, deep down, there's a certain respect. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of got that, but what, Watford so wants to hate us, and I don't want to fall into it, but I can't. Oh, Troy Can we not just be the bigger men to sort of rise above uh, it? No, I've tried that. But <laughs> Troy Dean is fat, smug, oh, <laughs> just horrible. The horrible town, horrible, the most graceless, charming, fa- charmless fans. Hmm. How, how are that team seventh or eighth in the table? It's shocking. Can anyway. they win more games than we do? Well, that's not shouldn't be allowed either. I haven't got that off my chest. Okay, all right. Next question <laughs> is from Mike Benz. Hi Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. He says, "Sod thirty-five years of turning the corner. <laughs> I've decided we're in a circular room." Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's Could be. Funny. Yeah. But at least it's a circular Premier League room. <laughs> well, that, that goes back to my point in part one when I was saying that actually it's every season we should just be saying, well done, we survived. Yeah. Rather than this idea of let's build and become Europe and go to Europe. 
We could survive a little easier, though, couldn't we? We could survive by March. We could survive by winning home games. You know, there's, ever, there's surviving like Everton, and there's surviving like us. It's funny, isn't yeah. it? Be careful what you wish for. You look at it's Charlton, Charlton, you yeah, look at yeah, Coventry, yeah. who yeah. are in the top flight for we so long. Look at Leicester, who look want, at where they Leicester are fans who want Puel out. Mm. Yeah. I just yeah. think any, any supporter of a team who isn't in the top four is always going to be pissed off 80% yeah. of the time. You, know, you, look at, you look at Everton fans. Palace would love to be Everton if we're honest about it. To yeah, of course. Absolutely. Play at the level of football they do, to have the, some of the players they've got in their squad, to have the sort of history of having won things and still competing to win things. And yeah, they're always annoyed as well. I just think well, it's, even, it's yeah, but even before, now to even, being a football fan at the top do you, level. Do you think, Andy, that Everton are still likely to win things? Because I'd argue that they're not. No, I, I absolutely don't. I think that's kind of part of the overriding point that existence in the Premier League now if you're outside of those elite super clubs is a bit futile well even before the Bournemouth game Sky trying to spin the narrative of Marco Silva he'd be under pressure if they lose this he's doing what he's done at every other club wins five out of the first ten and then starts to lose and then they're talking about Everton have to finish seventh or it's a bad season for them it's like well I'm not entirely sure why but it would be I'd like to get to the stage where seventh would be a bad season for us I'd like to get to the stage where there's no jeopardy I think one. I don't think that'll ever. Yeah, well, one yeah. quick positive about I, I, I still believe that you got we got players who really do play for the club. You know, they does yeah. seem that everyone seems to put the effort in. It goes back to your point earlier on about how we maybe just don't have the quality needed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, well, listen, as Andy's joined us, we have had a few questions about Hennessy. Uh, we haven't really talked about the goals on Saturday, but obviously he was. Uh, Involved in the first one, yeah. uh, Philip Darcy. Well, it wasn't really. Oh, wasn't Philip. It? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Philip Darcy says, uh, "Why is it that the team seems to play with confidence in front of Guaita but not in front of Hennessy? Do, do we think that's an actual thing? Do we agree with that? And have we any idea why?" Um, certainly, I think the, the the crowd perceive it in that way. There's certainly more of an edge amongst people watching the match when Wayne Hennessy's in goal as opposed to to Guaita and. Maybe it's just one of those things that because you're looking for it, you perceive it to be the case. But it does look like that defence is slightly more nervous mm-hmm. playing in front of one goalkeeper as opposed to the other. Why is it? I mean, that I guess assumes that that's in fact the case. But if it is, it, it probably is. Probably just because one goalkeeper is better than the other. I don't. I, I've always tried to defend Hennessy, uh, but I think we wouldn't have lost that game if Gaeta had stayed in goal. And it's difficult. I think most teams don't want to change a goalkeeper. Even at half time, Wayne's got other things on his head because of the newspaper coverage, etc. But because of where we're sitting in the halfway, it was kind of we just saw the ball come off the Watford player and then in the back, we couldn't really see whatever because suddenly getting all these tweets going to Hennessy, we couldn't really see it. And then when you finally see it on telly, you go, How has he done that? But it was how interesting. Did he, how did he actually manage to, It's like when he nutmegged himself, <laughs> how did he manage to end up on the wrong side of the goalpost? That took some doing. You, you, you talk fine that? margins, but I mean, everyone talked after Man United away about how well Hennessy played, but. Almost a carbon copy of that goal happened early on in the, in the, when United had, I think yeah. it was a free kick and Smalling yeah. headed wide. And Hennessy just caught, got caught underneath it. Yeah. I think it's fairly typical. We've talked about his footwork in the past, um, particularly with Selzy. I just think um, he doesn't command his goal. I think Andy you hit the nail on the head. I think Gwaita's just a better keeper. Yeah. Or is just a better keeper. And when he comes off, people are sort of quite concerned about it. Yeah, okay. I've, I've been kind of not trying to back Hennessy, but, you know, trying to look at the bigger picture, saying, you know, putting we're not scoring you know we haven't got the quality throughout the team and then I watched the Watford goal and it was like I agree with, agree with Kev I mean how he did what he did was incredible it was like Bambi on ice yeah. you know you see those little images of a little deer 
kind of stand on ice and you all go, oh, that's one, oh, that's sweet. That's cute. Yeah, you see that, do it. And then, you know, it was a different kind of... Um, Having said that, he would probably say we did we did switch off at the corner defensively. It was too Tompkins e- it, still allowed it was, Cathcart it, to get the header it, in. It was too easy to get the header in. We, yeah. It was a, a corner we didn't need to give away. So a lot yeah. of things had to happen. But yeah. And the same with the second goal, we let yeah. that ball bounce around. We, we yeah, I mean, before he hit it. I, I, you have to acknowledge the second goal was a good finish, but But again we've let we've let the ball let, bounce yeah, and we've no let one, him no get a volley taken, in, no, in the no, box. One's, no one's taken responsibility to go and yeah, win it. It's a exactly. little bit like it's still collective. Yeah. I think people make mistakes. You know, Hennessy's made a mistake. I think to me watching the floor was and far be it for me to call out Roy Hodgson there was an air of panic that we'd missed some chances and we were 1-0 up at the time. Mm. Suddenly pegged back to one all and Hodgson changed it and he brought Ben Take on, took MacArthur off. And I think, having played Watford a number of times over the last few seasons, they're physical and you yeah. need to overpower them in midfield. And that allowed them actually to take control of midfield for a 10-minute period and that was enough for them to equalise. And actually, the sub bringing Schlupp on was, to my mind, him trying to rectify the earlier mistake yeah. and then reload midfield yeah. um, with a view to having one up front again. And actually, probably the better sub would have been the sub he was more likely to make anyway, which was Ayu off, Benteke on. Yeah. And we'd have carried on controlling midfield and probably been more likely to nick another goal and, and win the game. Yeah. I think that if you look at the Leicester game <coughs> and the Cardiff game, when we could have, you know, Leicester could have equalised quite easily from Vardy and Gaiti saved it yeah. the Cardiff game Gaiti made a really really good save and they could have scored from their only you kind of think Hennessy might not have saved either of those which is I don't want to say it but it, you know, it comes down to maybe we've been looking at it in a too complicated a fashion all the time it's just he's simply a better, a goalkeeper. better goalkeeper yeah, and, yeah. Uh, does that does that not concern us that yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but does it not concern yeah. us that it's so evident yeah. I don't think he had enough in the credit bank to justify him playing ahead of Guaita from the start of the season anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's all sorts of stories from the club about why Guaita didn't play, whether it's his language or Roy didn't think he was ready for the rough and tumble. But I well, I think the thing is, to be fair, at the end of last year, he did have, a, by his standards, he had a decent season last season and he didn't make the obvious mistakes at the start of this season. I think part of his problem is that he's, he's always going to be Wales' number one goalkeeper. So in a sense, he's not. That, he's always going to get paid by Palace, whether he's playing or not, and he knows he's going to be the first choice pick for Wales. So in a, in a sense, he's, I don't think he's that motivated, mm-hmm. really. Whereas I think Julian's probably more motivated than than Hennessy is because if he plays on Saturday, he'll want to come in and prove that he's worth another year's contract. Yeah. He'll want to prove that, and also Julian's proven as well. The thing because Gaeta's not. I mean, you look at him next to Hennessy, he mm-hmm. looks like a kid in mm-hmm. terms of physique, but it just proves that that's not necessarily the most important thing well obviously yeah. we, we might be seeing Julian on Saturday because Wayne is injured and Guaita yeah. is also injured according to reports and Palace have been linked as I said earlier with this young Brazilian goalkeeper yeah. Lucas Perry Benchmark C Hi, Benchmark. has said with news of a new Brazilian keeper we're interested in uh, is this the end of Hennessy or just the end of the end I was told the other day by somebody who knows more about football than I do that Hodgson's always liked three good goalkeepers so I think it's more likely to be the end of Spironi than the end of Hennessy he's very young this guy though isn't he he is yeah I mean I don't, again we talked about this in the first part of the pub but Andy where it looks like because we're so short on goalkeepers it looks like this is really good business rather than accidentally we're signing a goalkeeper that we don't we don't need Whereas Hen- who's going to buy it I mean Hennessy won't go to a Premier League club well Hen- Hennessy's to signed a new contract yeah. last, last season I yeah. think Hennessy so ha- I think Hennessy will happily stay there because I don't think this kid's going to come in Ahead of Hennessy, I think mean, he'll be the third 
yeah, despite the fact we've got shortage in an, in an ideal world, he would come in as a third choice keeper, and it would be time for Julian to start coaching. Who's going to be on the bench on Saturday? Well, him. <coughs> he's in the country apparently. Either that guy or the, who's the young uh, Henry? Something Henry yeah. we have has oh, been yeah, on the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Mike Timms <laughs> says, um, "Who has the better plan B, Teresa or Roy?" <laughs> And Nathan Jones says, when will Andy Street be tabling a motion of no confidence in Roy? <laughs> Tonight! <laughs> well, she just, I believe, to show how, uh, when we are recording, I believe the no confidence vote has just gone through, John, is it? Uh, that's right, yes, and, and she survived. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and he survived. <laughs> yeah. um, we have, it, we did, well, we did have he, a couple yeah. of questions about Roy's future. It does come up. <laughs> Over Christmas, obviously, we did, we did very well, but... Are you guys feeling any less confident about Roy's future at the moment? Or again, is it, is it wrong wrong time of the season to be thinking I, about I that? I said quite plainly two-thirds of the way through the first half that I didn't think he'd be manager <laughs> to start next season, basically. And I don't, th- I don't think that's because he'll be sacked. I just don't think he will, he will want to be... I don't think it's worked out for him this season the way he thought it was going to work mm. out. And Tom explained that very well in the first part, that at the end of last season, he made it very plain to Steve Parrish that he wanted to do his business early, he wanted to get, he named the players he wanted to, to get in and, and we clearly didn't get them. So I, I don't think he's working on a level playing field at the moment. And there's clearly, as we said, a massive disconnect between him and Doogie Freeman, which can't be good for the, and it's not just a disagreement, it's just clearly a disconnect in terms of transfer policy and, and what, how the, the clubs run. So I'd be amazed if Roy was manager. I don't think he'll be sacked, but I just don't think he wants to carry on doing it. Okay, and then the worry is that Doogie Freeman gets the job, and everyone says, you know. But well, I feel like know. we should cross that bridge that when it comes to when it. we get to it. Yes. Um, Paul Gaskin, hi Paul. Paul, says, "What are the odds that Roy will start own goal for us up front? He's relatively <laughs> prolific for us, and maybe deserves a start." Uh, we have had quite a few. We've quite a few last weekend. There was quite a few own goals, wasn't there? Not just in our game. Quite a few penalties across across yeah. the board. So. Yeah. How bad was that reference, Ali? At uh, Palace. Yeah, he I don't need the whistle. <laughs> but that's yeah. Deeney's game. He's always yeah. he's always done that. Well, it's interesting. It. Remember the stick that Wolf got earlier in the season for saying the referees weren't protecting him, and there was a, there was a lot of stick. And then Deeney says last week after the Bournemouth game that referee was ludicrous. Yeah. And it seems to me, in my paranoia, that the Mike Riley decided to reward Troy Deeney by letting him have the ref, and and we've been punished ever since by Wolf's because that Troy, Troy Deeney got charged for the FA. Yeah, good. Yeah. But. But yeah. the re- he refereed on Saturday in a way that we haven't seen Wilf refereed for quite some time. He assumed that Wilf was looking for fouls all the way through, and there are three times in the second half, and quite quite clearly in front of us, he was getting they were going through him, mm. and three times Wilf's left sitting on the ground, and then that plays into the hands of the Watford fans who've been booing him all the way through because mm. he's just sitting on the ground going, "What the? Why didn't I get a foul for that?" And the referee's looking at him and waving him up. Especially when Deeney had said after the last yeah. game, we targeted we'll Wilf. Wilf. We, yeah. we literally did do that. Wilf was yeah. right in what he was saying yeah. to the media. And especially when Pereira died. I mean, Pereira twice in the first half with blatant dives, one of which got a free kick and one of which the referee waved play on. If he waved play on, you acknowledge it's a dive. But mm. I feel yeah. like we have bad refs every week, to be fair. Um, just on, on the own goal slash finishing uh, subject, Russell at Russell Levy Hi, uh, Russell. says, um, is it possible to coach composure? as that seems to be in real short supply in the opposition box. You sort of touched on that earlier, John, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it as simple as that? Because that's, that's a fair point. Uh, so, so we're talking about coaching composure to premiership football players who should are getting paid. I understand when I take my son to his under-10s football that you might do that, but we're talking that that's what's needed. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't... I'd hope not. I don't think it's as silly... I mean, because there are clearly people that are 
natural goal scorers, Kevin Phillips, for example, who just seem to be the ball seems to come to them. But I, I suppose you, you've played football, Tom. I suppose mm. you would. I haven't. I suppose you would be. Surely, if you get a player isn't Ian Wright, that must have been. He was such a raw talent. Surely they would have spent time with him on just yeah. taking an extra half second, just waiting, not not hitting it the first time. Or do you rely on the natural talent? I think it can be coached. Um, I think there's an element that came into, that you've got to factor in, um, certainly came up with England penalties, is that it's all very well doing it in training, but then under the pressure of the game, I just don't think we've got particularly good finishers at the club, Um, quite frankly. You look at people in front of goal, Wilf, um, you know, if you take him in isolation, the chance he had with Ben Foster, he opened his body up and he really telegraphed what he was going yeah. to do. You know, there's when no... He it was right his wrong foot. Yeah, 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 there isn't anyone who strikes me as sort of a natural finisher. You, you talked about Phillips, we don't have anyone like that yeah. anymore. I think it's, it's more against Cardiff as well, didn't he? It's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually against Cardiff, he didn't cut across the man, yeah. which would have brought the penalty. Which he should have done. Yeah, well, yeah, also, yeah. the other question is, can we coach the composure out of Sacco? Because he's way too composed. I mean, he literally, we lost because normally the first five minutes we go, oh, he's had his, he's had his moment. Then twenty minutes later, he's had three. Now it's, I don't think you'll ever coach that out of him. That, the the one that he scored the own goal that would have been almost he wanted that to go in because he'd be showing it forever. But it's just that's just yeah. Sacco, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, well, Sacco. on <laughs> on potential transfers, and obviously we talked about uh, a striker maybe coming in this window. Uh, another name that's been suggested. Uh, including by Nathan Jones, Hi, Nathan. Uh, is Johan Gabay, who has been released by Al Yassir, I believe, yeah. the, the Qatari team he went to. And Nathan says, bring back Johan on a short-term deal. I mean, we talked on this pod, Andy, about how much we miss him. Do we think this could even be possible? And, and if yeah, it was, would, we, would you go for it? We say that we'd like a natural finisher like Ian Wright, but I don't think that would necessarily make it a good idea for us to sign Ian Wright. I mean, Johan's been out of that level of football now for a year. Even before he went out of that level of football, he was struggling to make it past 60 minutes. He's been released. He's presumably not even at match fit for Dubai, let alone for the Premier League. Yeah, he might come in and he might end up fit with sufficient training, but that could take two, three months. By that stage, you're into the, you know March, you've potentially got four or five games left. My, my concern would be it would be another Flamini-type situation where you're bringing in a guy who used to be an excellent Premier League footballer. Mm. Oh, I'd forgotten that. But yeah. who, who, who just, for <laughs> whatever too. reason, and yeah. it happens to, to everyone's legs eventually, can't keep up with the pace of the game. It, I, I, I don't know. It's, it just strikes me as a potential nostalgic risk for the sake of nostalgia. And also, presumably, Andy, he would want to go back to at least the wages he was on when he left Palace, wouldn't he? Well, God knows what he was earning in, in Dubai, in but, the Emirates, but you'd imagine it probably was so sizable. Do, do, we, do we think yeah. that's the reason we didn't get Defoe in the end? Do we believe Roy Hodgson when he said we, we weren't interested or was it because we couldn't afford the £110,000 that Rangers apparently could afford? I, I mean, I've, I've got sort of no idea on those figures, but you would have thought that you know when they're releasing a few players' palace in this window, there's probably got to be some sort of pressure you would have thought on the wage budget and if that's the case then it seems <clears throat> unlikely to me that we'll be bringing in players who have very recently been playing in an Emirati country or who are coming from a bumper contract in the Premier League so deals like bringing in Perry or bringing in you know maybe a Premier League loan of a certain level that, that isn't on ridiculous wages yeah fine but I think there's certain deals you just don't want to do really I so, think psychologically sorry John for goodbye if you're of the mindset that you're going to Dubai 
you're probably of the mindset that you're winding your career yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, then yeah. take the step back yeah. and yeah. go into the maelstrom of a re- theoretical relegation battle. It's probably yeah. or not a team what is looking to, to you to replicate to, what yeah, you yeah, did yeah. before yeah. to so, a high so, level. So this means we're going to buy Kabai, right? <laughs> yeah, it's on. It's on. I'm not writing anything off in 2019. We did talk about ins earlier let's talk about outs because uh, Russell Mole Hi, Russell. has said can the pod please do a 17 second silence in remembrance of Johnny Esther a second per year he was at the club yeah. I don't agree with that that wasn't 17 yeah. seconds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't agree with it with what with the silence or <laughs> the reverence it's, or what the reverence around John, Johnny Williams uh, you know nice lad I watched Sunderland Till I Die clearly a really dignified lovely fellow with integrity but I'm not quite sure what he's done to ever justify the the hype around him you may not agree with it but you can understand it surely when one of our players when we did see him play in certainly the championship looked like he was a potentially really really good player did you think that? Did I you ever think so, yeah. I thought I always thought the best he was a championship player. Yeah. Well, well, maybe that's been proven to be the case. We didn't get... To, I mean, that's the big argument, whether it was it injuries that stopped him being a Premier League player. But I think if he if he was somebody we bought at the age of 21 and then didn't fit in, you'd go... If it's real world, you'd go, fine. It'd be a pub quiz question. But when he... He is a player that everyone talks about with such respect. I mean, it was, I was upset that he... Because it's just on a personal level. You teach yeah. English, you understand it like in Shakespeare. You know, on a personal level, you understand the the drama of it mm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and wasted, he has been through a lot yeah. the wasted potential of it I and, understand it know, in terms of humanity yeah. uh, the humane element but I don't understand it to the extent that we should do a 17 second silence for him you know I'm being flippant here but I, it's sad but I don't think he ever did very much well, um, really I, at Palace I, I think yeah, it's part, part of the reason he's got state, legend status at Palace is because we didn't see him play that much that's if we had seen him play, a bit like Saul. Well, a little, well <laughs> yeah. if we had seen him play, we were like, we kind of go. But yeah, he had something. The thing true, is, he yeah. said something we've always missed. He had that ability to drive. It wasn't just Barry, but he had that ability to control the ball, to drive at the heart of central defence. He had that enthusiasm. He had that passion. So, it, and it is different. And he was nice. Who's... And I yeah, think actually the, that I does influence that, his people's yeah, opinions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I just want to make two points. I think it's a salutary lesson. Uh, the Johnny do. Williams of the pod is piping up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm still at the top level. <laughs> uh, first, there's, there's always this sort of uh, cliche amongst fans that you, if you just put the youngsters into the team, yeah. that's all they really need. And he kind of proved that that wasn't necessarily the case. He did have little opportunities here and there. And sometimes players just aren't going to make it at a certain level. And the second cliche that you always get that was sort of linked to Johnny Williams is the longer he, he stayed out of the team, the more and more he became... The, the panacea for all Palace's yeah. ills. Yeah. Well, if we only play Johnny Williams, he's, he's great, isn't he? I remember yeah, seeing yeah. him in 2013. He was yeah. absolutely fantastic. And maybe there's a reason that those players haven't stayed in the team, I'm afraid. Yeah. But I wish him very well. well, well I mean, like just quickly yeah. with him, he ha- I mean, he has had a string of injuries, right? Yes. So that, that's been... But it's what Selzy's picked up on. You know, the, the, I think he was referring to this. There's not much difference between what we saw with the potential of Johnny Williams and what we've seen with Max... You know, Maya, Maya, yeah, yeah. Maya now, you know, and and this is a good thing, and even Barry Bannon, you know, and and I think that's an interesting point. And Max is coming with an ideology that we've all kind of bought into, but well, as I, I said, the German Johnny Williams with hair, yeah, and then you um, got trolled massively on Twitter, which I particularly enjoyed. Yeah, let's not <laughs> let's not talk about German ideology in the week of Wayne Hennessy, but. <coughs> but I think the, I think the other thing with with Johnny Williams is that. He was a kind of a, he didn't look like a modern footballer. 
Yeah, we talked about Vincilier early on, and, and if you if you put Vincilier, even Jim Cannon next to today's centre backs, they look like kids. When whereas Johnny Williams looked like he's one of those players that got through the net when at a time when everyone was just looking for athletes, looking for giants. Yeah, and Johnny Williams wasn't was was neither of those. So you kind of think we must have something about him. So and but there is that thing. You just you, your heart breaks because he was so yeah. he so wanted to be a footballer and he can't. Well, he's he's not. He's at Charlton, which is a similar thing. But, <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's, but you just know that it, it's. Like I got so many tweets from Sunderland fans who just said everyone at the club really liked him, but he didn't play two halves in a row, let alone yeah, two yeah, games yeah. in a row, because yeah. he's just got. But, and then you have to ask yourself: Is that because he's so small? Is it because? Training at Palace is wrong. Is it just because he's unlucky like Conor Wickham? But well, it does happen. Yeah. Well, I think we obviously, as I said earlier, everyone at FRP wishes him all the best. Well, at Charlton, Tom, clearly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish him the best. He's at his level. Yeah. But, oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, just doesn't wish he's seventeen seconds best. That's all. <laughs> Finally, then uh, we got a final question from Laura Watts. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. And she says, um, "If you had to pick your player of the season now, who would you pick?" Put uh, Wan-Bissaka. <laughs> There's not even, a, not even a debate, is there? Anyone else? Well, anyone else around the table? <laughs> around the table. Because <laughs> I think you're going to struggle to find many other well, sort of yeah. standout yeah. candidates. I think so, really. It'd be very hard yeah. to see what could happen in the rest of the season. I think if Guaita to be... played the entire season, I mean, he's been good enough in the small sample of games he's had that there, oh, there might, have been, funny? Some, there might he, have been something there. When Hennessy plays he's, well, he's just doing his yeah. job with Guaita, he's player of the year. Well, no, because he's already started to <laughs> win us points. Good stuff, thank you very much for your questions In part 3 we're going to preview Saturday's trip to Liverpool So join us in a bit Welcome back to the Phone Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Pod 277 sponsored by Vector Printing for your print and embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with Okay. And JCIS, the Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit jc-nis.com. Oh, oh God. He's done that in a James Endicott style. Yeah, that was, that was a bit. That was yeah. a bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right, <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> away on Saturday. Uh, Stuart Kelly has sent a question in. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Stuart. It says, do any of the pod lads know somewhere decent to watch the Liverpool match in Sydney? Please advise. You know what I'm there is a Liverpool in Sydney, isn't there? Or just outside yeah. Sydney. Is there? Maybe you had there. Maybe there. Yeah. I'll talk to you. You know somebody in Sydney. Oh, I was born in Sydney. Oh. Really? Yeah, yeah. And the, the that best noise pub you could hear was George's son, Dexter. Jesus. What you dead? Pub, pub recommendations? Um, well, I left when I was one, so I've got a few. <laughs> 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 No, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't know. My I mate think... lives in Breakfast Point, just outside Sydney. You can mm. get the ferry to Breakfast Point, and there is a pub called the Palace Hotel. Yeah. I recommend that. There, there you go. go. And a quick shout-out to all our listeners in Sydney. Yeah. It's, it's going to be hilarious when he gets his boat and realises they don't have a TV. They <laughs> <laughs> do. <laughs> right. We have got a Sydney branch of the Palace Sports Club as well. I think we've got quite a few out there. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah, and they do the, um, the Renf... Is it the Sydney version of the Rams yeah, game, yeah. is that right? That's in Sydney, oh, isn't it? Yeah. So. Anyway, hello to all our listeners in Sydney. Um, moving on to the game, Colin Hutt. Hi, Colin. Hi, Colin. Says, wouldn't it be great and typically Palace if after beating Man City at the Etihad, we also went and beat Liverpool at Anfield? <laughs> Anyone brave enough to put a couple of English pounds on that result? Second thoughts, probably be another 9-0. Uh, um, you know, stranger things have happened. I spoke to Selzy tonight as a little warm-up for the pod. And, um, you know, we were saying... On, on the way up to City, I told you I was going to put a ridiculous amount of money on City to beat Palace, yeah. and thank God that didn't happen. Um, but 
I don't feel the same way about Liverpool. You know, you get the idea that potentially there could be a little bit of, uh, of pressure. Lately, they haven't blown away sides the way they have done in the past. You know, I, we've got a good record up there. It wouldn't it wouldn't amaze me as it did at City if, if we got the result. I don't expect us to, yeah. but it, w- it wouldn't provide the same level of amazement. I think James Milner, who might have to play right back now, mm-hmm. that might be quite interesting because I think he's been outstanding all season. Mm. Um, so that, that's going to be quite interesting, him against Wilf, uh, to see you know if, if that is is who plays there, mm-hmm. um, to see what what happens there. And that you know, so I, I agree with. Tor, I think there's potential we could win. I think after the City result, Kevin, we, we certainly there's nowhere we can go without the confidence that we could pull off a result. But when you look at Liverpool at the moment and the form they're in, they are playing very well. I suppose, to use a cliche, I hate it is a free hit. It, it is affected by the fact that Julian's in goal. I don't think... not, And that's nothing to do with Julian's legendary status. It's the fact that he hasn't played a run of a string of games in the first team. And that'll be something they'll be aware of. I think it depends how we approach the game. No Palace fan will mind if we lose in a way, but Liverpool will will come forward at every opportunity in a way that City do, and will give us opportunities to yeah. to try. I think that's the important thing. I think that's what uh, Guardiola mentioned after the City game. That's what stung their players. Is they simply not used to opposition players actually trying to score, and it's pretty much the same for Liverpool. They approach every home game, and I don't think they've they dropped a point yet at home. No, they lost at City, and that was yeah. They drew, didn't they? Did, did, did they draw um, Man City nil nil? Yeah. But they did. Oh, right, yeah. But they didn't look particularly good against Brighton away. They didn't look particularly good against Wolves. But they, they are but winning those games now, yeah, aren't they? I, games in the past, they probably would have stumbled on. I've got to say, as a game for Julian to come in, I think it's probably as good as he can get. Because yeah, maybe, yeah. for a keeper to come in, having not played a long time, you know, you think the most difficult thing would be coming off the line and claiming crosses and timing that. And Liverpool aren't a side that tend to put loads of crosses in yeah, the box. Yeah, yeah. Julian's a shot stopper, as we all know. And um, I think he'll, he'll have the opportunity mm, to, yeah. to save some shots. And I'd rather him be coming into this game than the week before we're against sure, Watford. Remember the Chelsea game last season? He came back then after not playing for a while. And he was excellent. And we got a result against the champions. The, so. the, the shame is, you, you look at his um, physical, um, his build, his physique, I should say. And he still looks as fit as he did. 10 years ago you could argue that he's been dealt quite a harsh hand because every single time he made a hint of a mistake he was back out of the side yeah, yeah. and I certainly think he was jettisoned too, too early about three years ago by yeah. Pardew and yet Hennessy you know this is now now Hennessy on this pod but but every single time um, Julian made a mistake the the clearance to Dan against Everton he was out of the side and Hennessy's made a number of mistakes and to be frank you know if you said to me that Julian was match fit I'd be happy playing Julian I'm not worried about it but I mean yeah. Pardew and Allardyce both had the same criticisms that he wasn't big enough for them to come on his ball his distribution wasn't big enough but that says more about them yeah. and the but way they think about goalkeepers the thing about, about distribution him. with the keeper yeah. is interesting because people used to um, be quite fond of Johnny Parr and I used to have this big issue with Johnny Parr that he never stopped crosses coming into the box yeah. and actually it was my issue with Joel Ward he used to sit too far off his off the winger yeah. and they could just cross the ball around him they didn't actually have to beat Joel Ward to get the ball in the box and actually it's not until Wan-Bissaka comes in the side and actually intercepts the ball stops winning 
is getting the ball in the box, you actually realise the main function of a fullback, yeah. which yeah. is primarily to defend and stop the ball coming into the box and then break forward. You know, people talk about Wayne's distribu- distribution, but save some shots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, uh, come for the ball and get it. I'd rather you did that than, than kick the ball to Jeffrey Schlapp on the wing. I think it would be good. For, I mean, you wouldn't put it past Palace, and it would be good for the story of the Premier League this season that we were to return the favour. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, finally, then we've got a question for you, Kevin, from Will Thomas. Hi, Will. It says, has Kevin started writing his list of remaining fixtures yet? Uh, I'm doing it. Funny enough, I'm doing it for the next pod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought in my missus is away at the moment. She's been away for quite some time because of family illness, and she said because uh, I said on the phone earlier I might write my list. She went, "That's no, too early." <laughs> so I'll be with ten games to go. I'll do it. Okay. Um, but I have thought about doing it. So. Good. Well, we will check in with yeah. you. I've still got the ones, the, the folded up pieces of paper in the pocket somewhere. <laughs> Good. Just it's amazing, they're falling apart as I am just unfolding them. Unfolded. It's like origami, just literally <laughs> sit on the tube going to work going, well, if they beat them, and we, but now we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. But Andy Street then sends me some kind of index. I've not been wrong some, yet. Some Russian Every betting. season I've gone, we're not some going down. Some Russian betting company says it's 97 to 1. This season I don't think we'll go down. Next season we might. Are you feeling, are you feeling, what did you say last season? You were feeling confident? Relaxed. Relaxed. You well, feeling, also, you feeling relaxed? We've got, uh, yeah, we've got a, effectively a five-point cushion right now with our goal difference. Yeah, the other Easy. thing we didn't mention earlier with, with talking about Roy Hodgson, the amount of Palace fans who, even though David Wagner has said, I can't look at another football for two years, you know the Palace fans who were tweeting said, this would be brilliant, we'll get rid of Hodgson. <laughs> And we'll get Wagner in, and then people go, "Why are we doing that?" Okay, well, he's never had a budget. He's never. Had, it's like it's just. It's not going to happen. No. Well, Mark no. Hudson's in charge, isn't he? On is he for Fulham? Yeah. Former uh, Palace centre-back. Pal- yeah, he's oh. in charge on Saturday. Oh, good luck. Well, not really good luck, but oh. good luck in general, Tim. Anyway, um, that's the end of the pod. So thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks thanks Tom. for joining us on Pleasure, the pod. Mate. Good day, Enjoyed Tom. it. Top Thank man. You, Solid David. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half fast as ever. John, <laughs> always good to see you on the pod. Thanks a lot, Jim. Top man and Kevin. Thank you, Olivia. Yeah, Thanks for listening. Uh, we're with you again next week, but look out for the pod extra after that game at Free Liverpool as well. Free the pod. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.